a crowd, what a crowd, huh? Now, I tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape, you know? Yeah, last week my wife signed me up for a bridge club. I jump off next Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, last week nothing went right. I bought a waterbed. There were two Cuban guys swimming there looking for Florida. <laughs> oh, well. Now, last week I went to the track, too. That was a beauty. I shot off the opening gun. They killed my horse. <laughs> I'll tell you, nothing works out. My car broke down again. I got a car, I got nothing but trouble. Every Sunday, I take my family out for a push. <laughs> and the last time my wife drove the car, she cracked it up, went into a tree. Told me it wasn't her fault. She blew the horn. <laughs> my wife wasn't too smart, you know. One night, she went out, some guy stole the car. I said to her, did you see what he looked like? She told me she got the license plate number. <laughs> no, she's not smart at all. I told her our kid is spoiled. She told me a lot of kids smell that way, you know? <laughs> I tell you, it's tough to stay married to my wife. How do you think I feel? She kissed the dog on her lips and she won't drink for my glass. <laughs> I mean, there's always some. My wife's father, he just moved in too, has electronic pacemaker. Every time he sneezes, the garage door opens. <laughs> I tell you, life isn't easy. My psychiatrist told me I'm going crazy. I said, if you don't mind, like a second opinion. He said, all right, you're ugly too. <laughs> you kid, I know I'm ugly. Halloween, I open a front door, kids give me candy. My dog found out we look alike. He killed himself. I was an ugly kid, too. I worked in a pet store. People kept asking how big I get. You know, our younger listeners have no idea who this guy is. Um, well, I, I, he, he was a comedian. That's it. Stand-up comic. <laughs> Did his shows. People paid to go see them. He was a bit of a, you know, insult comic, I guess. But not... He wouldn't really insult other people too much. He would just insult like all these fictional people. It wasn't like Don Rickles, who would actually pick on people in the crowd and that. It was more like, well, his whole thing was that he had no respect. That was his line. And then he would talk about how like his wife is, you know, doesn't respect him. And yeah, well, he mostly picked on himself. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it was stuff that I mean today certainly wouldn't seem politically correct but at the time this material wasn't really politically incorrect either Mm. um but a a lot of his uh fame was from the really from the the late night shows and that especially carson he was huge on carson um that's really what put him put him on the map if you will and got uh the writers of caddyshack one of the films we'll be talking about to consider him uh, for a role in their movie. Now you got a strange look on your face. I'm counting how many films he actually did. He, he did quite a few. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, always, um, you know, cameos and things. Yeah. And he usually played himself. Like, he was always just himself. Well, he's, he's one of those guys that can't really step out of his own persona. Yeah, it's it's really strong, you know, just his mannerisms and everything like that, how he delivers a joke and that. I mean, really, and that's what people went to his movies to see. They wanted to see Rodney Dangerfield. They didn't want to see him playing a character. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so but some of the stuff that he did later on, though, he did do a couple of serious, like he had a, a role in, um, was it, uh, it's one of those Tarantino Movies, but not really Tarantino. True Romance, I think he was in. Natural Born Killers. Maybe that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. 
Or he uh, he was like a wife beater or something. He wore the wife beater shirt and everything. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not a great movie in my opinion. I uh, Please, Discord, calm down. Um, but um, yeah, he was – it's interesting to see him actually play a character in that movie. Hmm. Okay. Well, today we've got uh, Easy Money from 1984. Yep. We've got Back to School, 1986. And Caddyshack from 1980. So you chose the order. I basically chose the movies. I chose yep. the movies because I watched Easy Money like, I don't know, six months ago. I was like, I never heard of it. <laughs> and it was like a movie that I totally forgot about or didn't even know exist. I can't remember which, but I was like, man, this Rodney Dangerfield, he's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. And then Back to School, I've seen a bunch of times. There was a, little, uh, a request that we put that one in. And then, of course, Caddyshack. Richard had never seen Caddyshack. So, and... You know, you got to at some point in your life, you got to get the Caddyshack. Hmm. So just to let the cat out of the bag a little bit. I've seen all these movies. I enjoy all these movies. Really, the interesting part is how Richard feels about these movies, because his comedy taste in comedy is is, it's it's it is is what it is, folks. It is what it is. It's artificially overhyped is what it is, uh, because we often agree completely on these films. um, And some people prefer to pretend like there's something going on when there actually isn't. I think we agree in different ways with some of these films. Mm. But um, it's a cheap running gag that uh, really gets no laughs, but we continue to go with it. Mm, I think it gets laughs. I think people mm, like it. I don't think so. Slumming it here with one monitor. I only have one monitor. This is terrible. Uh, um, how you're suffering. So, Do your part uh, for the COVID. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I, it's my sacrifice. Um, just curious about the order that you chose these movies. And I, just threw, ca- I just threw or? Caddyshack at the end because that's the okay, big one. Uh, that's the right. draw, right? All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, shall we start with Easy Money from 1984? Okay. You got to stay still, okay? You got to stay still, okay, kid? You got to stay still here. Kid, you got to stay still. Auntie, have you ever seen a face like that before? No, no. If I did, I'd remember it. Now, okay, Anthony. I'm going to get a real good picture now, okay? Look at him. He's got my eyes. He's got my nose. And my sympathy. All right. We want some wallet-sized pictures, too. This kid won't fit in a wallet size. Make him good pictures. My wife's very particular. <laughs> and what about you, John? He's very particular, too. Surprised you married each other. All right. Look, kid, I'm tired of keep telling you the same thing. You gotta stay still, all right? I, I'll tell you what. Look, Anthony, I'm gonna make a deal with you, okay? Anthony, come here. Pay attention. Okay, Anthony, come here. We, you gotta stay still, Anthony. We wanna get a good picture, Anthony. We gotta stay still. We wanna get a good picture, Anthony. Stay still. Stay still. Stay still. Come the kid out, will you? Stay still. Stay still. Stay still. Stay still. Here we go, Anthony, will you? Be quiet, too, okay? Be quiet, will you? Let me start with this one. Let me do the rundown. To inherit his mother-in-law's colossal fortune, a hard-living gambling addict must change his unhealthy ways before they get the best of him. 
film stars Rodney Dangerfield, Joe Pesci, Geraldine Fitzgerald. It's directed by James Signorelli. Writing credits. This is new. Yep. Richard did this rundown too. Let's see. Writing credits. We've got Rodney Dangerfield, Michael Endler, PJ O'Rourke, and Dennis Blair. Runtime is one hour, 35 minutes. Budget is, we don't know. But mm-hmm. domestically, this movie, and that means just in the U.S., uh, this movie made $29.3 million. So yeah, it had could, to have cost less than that. To me. I, yeah, I couldn't find uh, numbers on this film. And I, I I Googled it like two or three times. Mm. Well, wow. you went above and beyond duty there right go. there. Yeah, generally added... writing for these movies. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, the reason I added the writing credits is because I noticed the theme as I was watching the films, um, which you're you're going to see for one of these movies in particular, there tend to be a few screenwriters. And yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure, because sometimes it's the case of you have a, a little writing team, you know, people get together and they, they share ideas and they've got kind of a similar um idea of what they're going for and you know they back and forth off of each other and everything and uh what no not that that's not the expression I'm looking for they bounce things back and forth you know off right of each other, yeah right? and they come up with uh, a cohesive thing um now obviously in a film starring rodney dangerfield you're gonna get rodney dangerfield you know so despite what is written you also get the input of certain people who have strong personalities like that. Uh, or other times it could be a matter of a script was written and then it was bought and then it sat around and then somebody picks it up and then they give it to another screenwriter and say, hey, why don't you uh, work on this? See what you can do. So uh, a few different writing credits, whether they're for just the initial story concept or if they are actually worked on the screenplay or if they punched up the screenplay, sometimes that has an effect on the overall film. Once mm-hmm. you get the director's input, the star's input, the writers and all that. So I, well, just... I can, I can definitely tell you just from knowing a little bit about these movies, uh, Caddyshack was definitely the first uh, way. It was a bunch of writers, you know, writing to together, collaborating, coming up with different, things the other two movies definitely went through a few different writers the script goes through a few different writers where they punch up jokes and all that that's one of uh, jackie bartling's lines on uh, the howard stern show how he was when he leaves when he left the howard stern show he he was going to get a job punching up scripts so they would give you know they'd give writer a completed script and their job was just to go through and write funnier jokes change up the lines and all that um even Stand-up comedians do that with each other. They they will help each other with jokes. They will say, take out this line, insert this line, use this word or whatever. You know, a lot of it is collaborative. Yeah, it's just um, a lot of professional proofreading. Right. Give me your yep. input. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, fun facts. Rodney Dangerfield has stated that the part of Monty Capaletti was the closest to his real-life persona. I find that funny because he, in all three of these movies, he's basically playing the same character. Uh, I guess in this movie, he is not rich. That that would be the only. He's difference. not he's rich, more, and it's kind of no holds barred. Yeah. And, and he's like the everyday 
man you know uh he does run his own plumbing business but it's not like as lucrative like he doesn't have unlimited spending cash like he does in the other two films uh this film put a stop to national lampoon's vacation three-week run at the top of the u.s box office so it reached number one in its opening week that's pretty good uh yeah yeah well you know three weeks the things start to lose strength vacation yeah. Still though, you gotta you gotta do something to get to be number one, you know. Yeah. Uh, throughout the movie, Monty is seen only drinking Miller Lite. This is because Rodney Dangerfield was the spokesperson at the time of filming. During the scene where Rodney Dangerfield is watching television and flipping channels, you can hear "All we need is one pin, Rodney," which is a fil- uh, which is from a Miller Lite beer commercial starring Dangerfield. Uh, I, didn't I didn't know notice that. that. I did notice a lot of product placement uh, in in this movie and in uh, Back to School. Like there was a lot of Coke cans that were placed just so. Like Ronnie would be making a sandwich and the, the Coca-Cola logo was like right there pointed at the camera. Mm. Got to make that money. Yep. The first movie that actor-comedian Rodney Dangerfield was seen in. This is the first movie actor-comedian Rodney Dangerfield was seen in after his breakthrough role in Caddyshack from 1980. Hmm. So this is Caddyshack. I know we'll probably get into it a little bit later. Maybe we won't. I don't know. So I'll just mention it now, but it was a little bit of a slow burn. It wasn't a big hit right away. So you could see like Caddyshack came out in 1980. He didn't get this movie until 1984, you know, whereas if Caddyshack was a big hit, this movie probably would have came out in 1981 or 82. So, yeah, yeah. Anyways, one one fun fact I forgot to put in here was that his name, uh, Monty Capaletti, was a reference to uh, Romeo and Juliet, Montague and oh, Capulet, <laughs> because of the uh, you know conflict between right. he, him and his mother-in-law. Right, right. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, you've seen this kind of movie uh, before in the past. Um, it, it's very like full of '80s tropes. Um, there's like a big sum of money, you know, that one family member needs to get to or might get to if they do something. I feel like trading places. Yeah, at, you jump, know, jump um, through these hoops and and you'll get your money. Brewster's, Brewster's millions, millions, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I really entertaining film. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, Joe Pesci and Ronnie Dangerfield worked really well together. Um, yeah, I, you know. I can't, I can't complain. I liked how he worked with uh, his entire family and all that. The subdivision in this movie reminded me so much of my hometown. Um, like some sections of my, my hometown of Sudbury where all the backyards all came together with those fences and that. And then even inside the the, ho- the home where the uh, there's like a, like a stair rail that kind of separates the uh, kitchen and the living room. It's like the only thing that divides the kitchen and the living room. There's no wall there. It's just this like old iron grilled 70s stairwell, stair rail thing. I might have been the only one that noticed that because a yeah, bunch. Yeah, I have to of, see it again. When I was a kid and you go and visit other people's homes, a bunch of them had that in there, and there was always hmm. something hanging on it, like a shirt that mom was ironing or whatever. There was always something hanging on that thing. Oh, that's what you do with them. So what did you think? of uh easy money it's okay yeah it's okay um 
I I guess I'm I'm gonna uh, lay out my my thoughts for a couple of these all at once here, but I hope you don't end uh, up hating Rodney Dangerfield because it's gonna be a long podcast. Well, that's the thing. I think Rodney oh, no. Dangerfield is funny as a comedian, and watching him on Carson or, or light, uh, late night show doing his thing, he's really funny. I think for an entire film, he's a it, it's like okay, here he is again. Uh, I'm watching Rodney Dangerfield again. Which is fine. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't hate Rodney Dangerfield. I don't, uh, you know, find him unappealing or something. But he does have a very strong persona. So uh, I, I think at points it takes you out of the movie completely because it's like I'm just watching Rodney Dangerfield here do his thing. He's he's. This is why I added the thing about the screenwriters, because the story will be going along and then suddenly it's time for Rodney Dangerfield's act and he starts doing his bits. And, you know, sometimes it works within the script. Sometimes it's it kind of stops everything so he can do every so he can do his little bit and then it continues. So it's fine. I'd say this film is I, I view it as being right around the same as that submarine movie we just watched the, the down periscope yeah down periscope it in that it's it's a movie if it's on i could watch it and it's perfectly fine and i'll get into it at, at some points but at the same time if i have to get up to uh, go to the bathroom or go get something to eat i don't have to worry about pausing it i'll come back and the movie will <laughs> yeah. still be i won't miss much it, it'll still be going on i i, I I don't know. Okay. I, I think it's fine. If we're going to compare this to Down to Periscope, I think there's a much better film than Down yeah, Periscope. Down Periscope has a bunch of stuff that doesn't really work in it. It's just okay. it's like it's not offensive, but I I think that this movie has a bunch of stuff that does work in it. I think Joe Pesci was really funny uh, in it. Um, and I I liked Rodney Dangerfield. I liked his character. I liked uh, I like I mean. I would say this movie and Back to School, they're they're more of like okay, watch Rodney Dangerfield's character in this situation. You know, how mm-hmm. is he going to deal with this situation? Well, that, that's again, it's not it's watch Rodney Dangerfield in this right. situation, not his character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, there is no, it's just him. It's just his yeah. persona, right? And. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was funny. I thought the the stuff with his daughter was funny. I liked the the son-in-law, the the uh, uh, Puerto Rican son-in-law. Um, yeah, that's the other thing about again, it's probably all of these films is there's just subplots that go nowhere. There is and a it's yeah, it, 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 it's for jokes, you know. It's just yeah. to get a joke out. But the whole thing about his daughter, she's going to get married early on that's like the very first thing you see is rodney dangerfield in the wedding dress it's it's being like uh, hemmed and and sized and all that um because his daughter is going to get married and then she gets cold feet and she uh stops the wedding and then you don't see pretty much anything go on with her character for a for a good portion of the movie and then you just see her fiance attempting to communicate with her coming to the window, coming, yeah, you know, breaking I, I like into that the house. And I thought that was funny. I thought it was funny when it happened, but then it goes away for so long and you don't yeah. see anything happen with it. 
And then right at the end of the movie, there's like a resolution to that. But it it was never incorporated well. And again, this is I attribute some of this to the screenwriting, maybe because it, it passed through a couple different hands subplots get erased uh rodney dangerfield needs more time for his own shtick so they they focus a little more on that so it's one of those movies where everything feels a little off balance it's just i think if they had forgotten that subplot completely and just focused on rodney dangerfield stuff it could have been stronger or if they were to somehow balance it but that would mean reducing Dangerfield's screen time or incorporating him more into that storyline, which which probably would have worked better if he were actively trying to resolve that situation. Um, but it's one of those things that just throws the whole movie off balance, and that's why it's just kind of, it's okay. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm missing anything if I walk out of the room for five minutes. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, and this is what I'm gonna get uh, hate for now. Like, oh, he doesn't get it. Blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, it's it's no, just no not that funny. This. Sorry, it's all right. Yeah. Nobody watched this. Nobody watched this. Nobody watched joysticks. You're fine. Yeah. As long as no one watches this and joy- joysticks, you'll be all right. Mm. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I like joysticks. It. I balance. Uh, and <laughs> this 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 was. Mm, I, I would say joysticks is a little more uh, focused. It is fo- absolutely focused on that arcade, and this movie does lose its focus at times. It's, I will agree that it's it's uh, mixed up with the daughter's wedding, and then his thing with his mother, and uh, having to be good in order to keep the money and all that stuff. And I I would have liked to see more of the family too. Like like they're kind of like in the supportive role and that and uh they kind of seem to be i don't know like they don't really care too much on whether or not he's gonna <laughs> yeah get this well money. well that's the other that's another point is like they don't really care and at the same time like um the mother-in-law is absolutely right he's a terrible person in this movie he, he really just goes to the extreme of being uh, like an alcoholic he, he's keeping his drugs hidden in his uh drinking and driving while his, yeah. his daughter's uh, bur- uh wedding cake is in the back uh, uh yeah he really band. does yeah, everything like, wrong there was yeah. no element of you know he's you don't see what his wife sees in him you know she's defending oh, it yeah. he's like you, you don't know him <laughs> like i do and like wow well, no <laughs> we we pretty much do we see he can't focus even in the end you know he, he he's still the same old uh character he was at the beginning He's just learned to hide it, which is the joke. I get it, but yes. uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, like he's, it was he's the funny. time. He's got, it was he's funny. It's unapologetic. He's, it's just right. That's and that's true. That's that's kind of what I like about it. Like he doesn't have any sort of arc or anything like that. He's just the same from the beginning to end. I mean, I guess he learns. I guess he does learn to hide things. Yes, literally. I guess. I guess that's the thing, but he was doing that at the beginning of the movie when he uh, when he was trying on that that dress, and then uh, he has to sneak into the bathroom to uh, to smoke a doobie, and and his oh, doobies he's... are in this are in this box in the medicine cabinet called the Roach Motel. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I he's just charming. So you, so you end up loving him, and um, yeah, that's it. He's got the funny one-liners, so you'll like him. And then you want to see him succeed. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a it's movie about one-liners. That, that's about it. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Good like it's it. fine if if it's on, I could sit down and watch it. But uh, I mean, if you compare it to essential watching, and, and you try to compare it to like the Monty Python films, or or like Wayne's World, or the the Best in Show, or something like that, where it's like, no, those are you know everybody should see those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, it's it's all it's. It's like how we come to these movies, you know, like this movie caught me by surprise. You know, I had never I was like, what is this Joe Pesci and Rodney Dangerfield and sat down watching and I really enjoyed myself, you know, so I, you know, I wasn't expecting much. The bar was was set low, I guess, you know, whereas if you have someone recommending this movie to you, then Mm. the bar set a little bit higher and you're waiting for it to to wow you. So, yeah, maybe that's part of it. But well, uh, I Again, yeah. it's like I was waiting fine. for joysticks to wow me, right? <laughs> I don't know why I described it entirely. I was waiting too. for some charm. I was I wanted to see the charm, and that's why I'd say I think like Grandy Dangefield has charm too. Like there's charm to his character, the way he does things, and that he does. There's no malice in anything. He's not doing like these things to be bad. He just he needs to unwind, and I think that was like the idea. Because a lot of these movies were geared towards teenagers at the time, and that was like the relatable thing with Rodney Dangerfield. It's like he just uh, – this is how he deals with pressure, you know? Mm. He smokes doobies and drinks and, you know, I don't know. He's never grown up kind of thing. Yeah. Was, and without yeah. getting spoilery for all those people who are clamoring to watch this film, uh, the, the surprise was I, – I, pretty much expected that the whole movie because you know it just felt like that's what was going to happen so I, I was waiting for that and then it happened so there was no big no i mean there's no nothing... big there wasn't really a big ending for it even even the ending when they're all sitting around the table like eating their fancy dinner and he, mm-hmm. and they're having their conversation like it's like that i was expecting that to be like a, a dream and then it just it just felt odd. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. That's fine. It's yeah. fine. You go All watch right. uh, Down Periscope, and then you watch uh, Easy Money. It's like a great double header. Mm, I no. I, 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 I could put Easy Money with with Caddyshack and that. I don't think I can. Down Periscope is kind of yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's do back to school. Hi there. Are you a large person? Pleasantly plump? A little on a hefty side, perhaps? Well, let's face it. Are you fat? When you go jogging, do you leave potholes? When you make love, do you have to give directions? At the zoo, do elephants throw you peanuts? Do you look at a menu and say, okay? Well, now you can eat all you want. Because at Thornton Mellon's tall and fat stores, we've got you covered. That's right. Fine woolen. And woolen blend suits and sport coats in all the larger sizes. Husky. Stop. Extra stuff at the new Hindenburg line. And for you ladies, we have caftans, moo-moos, and our own exclusive A-frame in all colors and patterns. Yes, we have miles and miles of fabric. So take it from me, Thornton Mellon. If you want to look thin, you hang out with fat people. Thornton Mellon's tall and fat, 150 locations across America. Lou, did you see the new spot? Yeah, I seen it. Do I look fat in it? You could lose a couple of pounds. I gotta get bigger actors. Uh, back to school in 1986 to help his discouraged son get through college. A fun-loving and obnoxious rich businessman decides to enter the school as a student himself. 
Film stars Rodney Dangerfield, Sally Kellerman, Star Trek, Burt Young, not Sylvester Stallone. Featuring Robert Downey <laughs> Jr., William Zabka, Terry Farrell, Star Trek, Ned Beatty, and Bobby Picardo, Star Trek. Wait, what was uh, Sally Kellerman in Star she Trek? She was in the second pilot. Oh, that's original right. Series. I forgot about that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Good call. The one with the eyeballs and Captain Kirk's first appearance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Okay. Yep. Director uh, Alan Metter. Uh, writing credits, we have Rodney Dangerfield, Harold Ramis, and seven other people. Including the director. Including the director. Well, the director always gets a little input, you know? Sure. Runtime of an hour and 36 minutes. Budget $11 million. Box office worldwide $108 million. I believe wow. that includes um, theatrical and uh, home home release. Okay, I could definitely see this making a lot of money on the, the home. Uh, yeah, the VHS. I, that's probably at least a fourth of of that money right there. Fun facts: In the original script, Rodney Dangerfield's character was poor, but Harold Ramis suggested that it be that it be changed to make him rich. Yeah, I think well, it, it worked in Caddyshack. Why not? Have it work in back to school, right? Yeah. Uh, this was the sixth highest grossing film of 1986 and the second highest grossing comedy of the year after Crocodile Dundee. Are they making a to... new Crocodile Dundee? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. That guy's got nothing left. To t- uh, what else does he have I to do? I saw something about that. And there's a lot of like Australian actors that are popular now. That was big in the 80s. That was the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Crocodile Dundee is a, is a good movie. Crocodile Dundee 2, I have a hard time watching. I don't think I've seen either since like I first watched them on VHS. Ronnie Dangerfield always looked out for younger comedic talents. He was a big proponent of Sam Kinison's part as a crazed professor in this movie. They also considered Jim Carrey, but he was rejected as he was too young. That makes sense. The sound made by the soundboard when Derek starts experimenting with it at the dorm party is the same sound made by the proton packs in Ghostbusters, which was also co-written by Harold Ramis. Yeah, I I, don't, uh, I went back and I listened to that sound. There, there's a part of a proton pack. It, it's just like sound. the initial not, turn on. Yeah, yeah, just, a, well, just for a I second. Mean, well, they it's just in cut, there, but it's not the whole thing. The sound, yeah. It's not the whole thing. I don't know. Actually, sorry they didn't steal the whole thing. Actually, maybe if they walked around with the uh, with the PKE meter like they did in so many other movies. Uh, (laughs) What movie? That was They Live, right? That they had the Um, PKE meter at the beginning. Was it They Live? I'm pretty sure. It 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 was in a couple movies. Yeah. Hey, that prop was lying around. Had the the batteries were probably still good in it. (laughs) Why not? Uh, Whose turn is it? Your turn. Oh, okay. Due to Rodney Dangerfield's contractual obligations with the Miller Brewing Company and his appearances in the Miller Lite beer commercials at the time, only Miller Miller beer was allowed to be shown in certain scenes. Man, this feels like the same fun fact from last movie. Mm -hmm. When Dangerfield goes to get beer out of the refrigerator during the party at his house and during the large party at the college when the police arrive with extra beer. That's right. It was Miller Lite beer. I don't remember... Dangerfield's Miller Lite commercials. No, I don't either. 
I, I imagine as a child, I probably didn't pay much attention to them. Uh, but Rodney Dangerfield's on TV all the time. Maybe, maybe probably well, have seen one of these. I know in Canada at the time, uh, this isn't the case anymore, but at the time you couldn't run alcohol ads past 9 p.m. So I might have not been before 9 p.m. or past 9 p.m. Before. Did I say past? Before. Yeah. Okay. You couldn't run them before 9 p.m. You had to run them after 9 p.m. So I might have not been old enough to have, you know, had the opportunity. Oh, to you see were them. staying up after nine o'clock watching oh, TV. If you met my parents, geez, there was no, there was no <laughs> staying up. I'd, I'd sit there and the the clock would be at 8:59. I'm not going to bed till nine. Till it says nine zero zero. Your your parents invented the social distancing. <sighs> Yeah, I'm 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 grateful. Stay for in it. your room, at grateful. home. Okay, uh, this is another fun movie. Um, I, I I I personally like Easy Money a little bit more, but like I said, maybe it's because it's the way I approached that movie. It surprised me. Uh, Back to School, uh, that one was built up for me. Um, I don't know years and years ago. It's like oh, you got to see it, and I watch it. Eh, it's pretty good. Um, but I don't know. I like it. I still like it. Um. I don't know. We, I guess we're not getting a triple Lundy because uh, Richard already papooed on one of the movies. But maybe we'll get a double Lundy out of Richard and find out what he thought of Back to School. Need I go back to the previous review and say oh, how I said it was fine and I could absolutely <laughs> watch it? Why Why is that a poo-poo? He, uh, he hated it. Now, let's uh, go. Let's go. What would you think uh, of Back to School? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. This was the I'd say I, I'd see I, I'd say I'd like this one a little bit more than Easy Money, uh, because okay. it's held together a little closer. It it follows more the standard '80s comedic formula, but it still has the you know the same um, off balance style just because. Dangerfield needs to do his stuff, you know. You get mm-hmm. to his scenes, he's got to do his lines, take things directly from his act, and you know, apply that whenever possible. Even though it doesn't make sense for his character, he's the same character in all three movies. But you know, in this one he's poor, in this one he's rich, and this this other one he's rich. I don't get it, but um, I thought it was fine. It's it's I don't know. It's a movie that doesn't make a lot of sense when you sit down and break it down, but if you just sit there and watch the funny moments, it's it's fine. Yeah, there there's a bit that doesn't make sense. Like Burt Young is like the tough guy in this movie. I don't know why he's the tough guy in this movie. He doesn't come off as really tough at all. No, he's he's a gruff old man, you know. Yeah, I don't know. He he doesn't um, make sense as the enforcer, but Yeah, as, that's what uh, I mean. Like, yeah, it's just uh, a guy that you'd run across in a bar or something. It's like, hey, you probably don't want to mess with him. Maybe. He's not going to back down, but... You know, um, I thought Ned Beatty was uh, was really good in this. Uh, he doesn't... He's not in it a lot, a heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he just seems to uh, bring something every time he's in one of these movies. Um, seems good. I was surprised to see Robert Picardo in this because I totally forgot he was in it, but he only has one line. Yeah, I, uh, I have to go back and revisit that because I saw this and I was like, did did I remember seeing him? In this? So, I watched yeah, it at the beginning of the month. You didn't uh, put her in here, but uh, Adrian Barbeau was the one who plays his wife. 
and that's yes. when he was he was making out with her at the uh, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I, I must have seen it and and just went it went by so quickly. I don't remember it. So who I played his son? Was Dax? it? Yeah, she's uh, she's in it quite a bit. So let's get to Dax because like, is it William Zapka? Is that the guy who plays his son? Well, William Zabka is um, the antagonist in the Karate Kid. Oh, that's the guy with the, the blonde, blonde hair. Guy. And he's okay. the, he's the same character in this. He's the bully. Right. Yeah. So who's the um, who plays the son? Don't know. Uh, not not so. Oh, not Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Is that Frank, Frank? Stallone? <laughs> I don't know, but it's, every time he's on camera, I just think, hey, that's that's not Sylvester Stallone. It should be. Well. And super a... short. Like every time they have him in a scene with Terry Farrell, who plays his love interest, she's oh, like, she... I don't know, she towers over him. Yeah, I don't know that she's super tall or anything, but significantly taller. Yeah. Yeah, he's small. He's a small guy. Anyways, I don't know. I thought it was a funny movie. I still like this movie. I like all the one-liners in it. Um, I did write down a couple of liners. I wish I did. I did it for Easy Money, but I didn't think to. Uh, but I wrote down a couple of uh, one-liners in here. Uh, what was it like when he was like looking out the uh, looking up the? He's in the library, and uh, he tells his son to buy all the books that he needs, buy brand new books, and then the other, you know, tells his friend to buy brand new books, and he's like, books for everybody, and then everyone's cheering. And then he just he looks at the uh, the lady behind the the cash. I guess she's a librarian, and he's like, hey baby, I'd like to tame your shrew. I thought that was good. Yeah. I'd like to tame your shrew. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, damn. He said uh, something about... Uh, I wrote down the punchline here, but I forget the setup to it. But anyway, say, oh, yeah, that's right. He wanted to be on... The, they asked him if he could be on the swim team because he's the only guy that could pull off the triple Lundy, but he's in his 60s, right? And he's like, no, I'm out of shape. Uh, they could donate my body to science fiction. Yeah, come on, that was good. <laughs> I don't think I think you don't like Roddy Daniel. That's hilarious. I think and he's then fine the, on late night shows. And, and, and then when the I got one more here, and then when Sally Killerman uh, catches him in the uh, the hot tub with all the ladies, she comes up and he's like, "Hey, beat all my nieces." I thought that was good. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah. It, it's good funny movie. when like he it. says it. I don't. You're delivering. Well, obviously, obviously, <laughs> obviously, he is a much better comedian than myself obviously uh-huh. but uh, i don't know i saw, i think it's a fun movie it's good it, i it, love it's fun I, yeah. and when he does the, so the, you know when he does the triple lundy which is the big dive that only he could do uh even though he's in the 60s i just i love that entire sequence of him coming and jumping on all the the diving boards and that and the just look on his face and the spinning around and the the cuts between the the stunt guy and Rodney Dangerfield. I just think that that whole sequence is is hilarious. I yeah, like the the ending it it was a nice lift up. I didn't expect anything that big uh, yeah. for the ending, so it was nice. Um, if you again, if you break it down by standard movie standards, you know um, a lot of characters are underdeveloped. There's a lot of little subplots that just don't need to be there. Um, the other characters never go anywhere near uh dangerfield's level uh in terms of uh capturing a scene you know when dangerfield's on screen it's like yeah yeah. he's doing his thing and then they cut to like his son and you know him trying to 
get on the diving team and, and trying to get with Terry Farrell and stuff. And it's just like, okay, now we're in just standard formulaic eighties comedy things. And then eh, it goes up and down. It's okay. Well, I mean, you can't outdo the star, right? I mean, this is a vessel for Rodney Dangerfield. So you can't have scenes where other people are, yeah, but I don't know. The like the, the son, the actor, it's like it's just so he, he feels yeah, out of place. Definitely for I, his I, size and his accent and yeah, he was definitely the the weak weakest link in the movie. Um, and even the, like Sally Kellerman, she's always I don't know. She's, I, I I don't know if she's a ditz in real life, but every time she's playing a character other than that Star Trek uh, character, she seems to be playing a, a the you know the Ditzy, uh, child. yeah like just uh, out there aloof i guess that's the word uh, i'm looking for aloof not ditzy aloof um i thought rodney uh robert downey jr was really good in it i mean like he, that guy he has tried some comedic... more than anyone else well i think he's he's got some like natural comedic timing uh is there with all the iron man movies i had never recognized it before like i was never that much of a fan of his until I started watching him in Iron Man and then seeing him in this movie, like, I, I don't know. He just, he has like, I think he has like a natural comedic ability and it really showed in this movie. I, I enjoyed his scenes um, when he was on screen with the different colored hair and all that stuff. Yeah. I never knew this before, but uh, he was on Saturday night live as a cast member. Yeah. Right. But that was like the, the, the weird year, right, where they got rid of um, Lauren Michaels and that yeah, other guy took over. I, I have no memory of this. Yeah, so it, it, it was, there was like, yeah, there was a one bizarre year. They got rid of Lauren Michaels. They fired him because the ratings weren't as good, and they hired like all like they weren't like really com- they were a lot of them were comedic actors, but they weren't like hip young comedians. Like they just they, like uh, this is a real weird tangent. But like uh, Anthony Michael Hall was in in that year. Uh, Randy Quaid was on that year. Um, John Lovitz, Dennis Miller, Randy Quaid, Damon Wayans. He was on there, too. Yeah. So they kept they kept a couple of them like Dennis Miller and John Lovitz. uh, But pretty much after that season, almost everyone was canned. And then they brought Lauren Michaels back. And yeah. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, I think what I think the problem with that year too was that none of them really took it seriously. Like, there's a lot of cracking up and breaking up on the, you know, while they're doing their skits and stuff. Mm-hmm. You could just tell like no one was taking the show seriously. It was a really bad year of SNL. Uh, there's a lot of down years, and I think that was one of the lower lowest years. But anyways, I don't know. Yeah, I liked. It. I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, it's 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 watchable. Um, here I'll I'll let you beat me up over this too. I I've never been a fan of Sam Kinison. Uh, I, he yells. That's his whole stand-up act. I know a lot of people love him, but when he's not yelling, he's fine. He was good on an episode of Married with Children. Yes, yeah, that's uh, yeah, he's good on that. I I don't think he was. I, I it's it's kind of weird, but like it to say that he wasn't really used properly in this well, movie. Well, yeah, because again, it's just got that one note. But you got to take into consideration this this was 1986 before anyone knew who Sam Kinison was. So right. 
most of the people that have, were watching this movie at the, at the time had no idea that he was going to blow up like that, right? Whereas you know, like this is his shtick, and he's going. This is the teacher that's going to explode. Like as soon as he's on, the, see him on the screen, right? Like you just you know, know he's yeah, going to explode. He's going to do. You his know thing. it's coming, right? Whereas it would have been, it would have caught you off guard. Might have been a little more funny in 1980s. Maybe. I don't know. He does it twice in this movie or whatever. And I thought his line at the end was like, "Hey, when like when he was say, hey, cut him a break kind of thing." And I don't know. I thought that was pretty good because he's the yeah. uptight one. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, he's a little bit. It's yeah. I think for the it was it's like a joke that probably worked better in 1986 than it does today. Um, but I've seen him do better stuff like this. There's some good. He's got some good stand-up comedy stuff. Not gonna. Yeah. You're not gonna catch me saying anything negative about uh, Sam Kinison. Why? Because you don't want to take the beating. No, I because I like him. I, yeah. I like him. I, I just I I I like if you're just gonna go by this movie, you know. Um, there's nothing. No, much. I go in general. Of, uh, it's just you know, it's like it's like the first time you, you heard uh, Robert. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, his name just left my head. I'll oh, forget it. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> like in okay, in High Fidelity, for instance, there's a thing like that's a great movie. Okay, you see Jack Black in that movie. You watch him through the entire movie. I had no idea who the hell Jack Black was at the time. I had no, never heard of Tenacious D or anything like that, right? And at the end of the movie, because he's going on about his singing career and everything, how he can sing in that. At the end of the movie, he doesn't look like a guy who could sing. But at the end of the movie, he sings and it's beautiful, right? That's a scene that's kind of like it, that buildup doesn't work now because you, everybody knows that Jack Black can sing. Every, everybody has seen him somewhere singing and he's a professional singer. So that it doesn't have that effect on it. And I think that's what's kind of missing. That's the Sam Kinison thing that's missing in this movie. Maybe. Right. I, I don't know. The dive was good. It was a funny dive. Triple Lindy. And it's the only thing that saved the ending because the whole like he's got to study hard to make his grades and he's going to train in one night to like pass his test is just. Uh, it's the uh, 80s. Man. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's it, you, you. This is the way you did things in the 80s with the comedies. You told your jokes and then you had to you're done. You're done telling your jokes. You got to gotta do a little bit of a story. Yeah, got to get to the end. Just get to the end. Get out of there. Get out of there. The top of the building explodes, but the Ghostbusters are still there. doesn't matter. Just get to the end. It's done. Mm. You told all your jokes. you got nothing left to tell. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Okay. So far, no Lindy's. We're at, uh, let's see if we can get one Lindy in here. One jump off the uh, old diving board. Let's yeah, talk about I just cats. said I liked both movies. But they're mm. fine. Mm. They got the thumbs up. You didn't like them as much as me. All right. Let's go. Ah, Catch Jack. Think of there you go. Soup, huh? 
Oh, it looks good on you, though. A millionaire wants to turn a golf course into a property developed, but the president opposes. A story which focuses on the many antics of the employees and players on and off the golf course. Man, that's a terrible rundown. Did I put that in there? No, I did. You didn't have any rundown in there. I just oh, got okay. from Google. I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, basically, this movie is about uh, people who are kind of... Which people on the golf course. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, and they're a bunch of misfits. And what I like about this movie is that the misfits aren't like the, like it's not. There's just different levels of misfits. Like every like everyone who is like a good guy in this movie is a misfit, but on a different level. Like uh, Chevy Chase is the talented misfit. Ronnie Dangerfield is the rich misfit. Uh, you know, is his name is his name is Michael O'Keefe. Danny Danny in the movie is like what you would your normal misfit, your normal 80s child misfit teenager misfit um so uh let's get to the fun facts or let's get to the thing uh the thing with the stars and that uh movie stars chevy chase roddy dangerfield ted knight bill murray directed by harold ramus writing credits include brian doyle murray harold ramus and douglas kenny in brackets bill murray so bill murray was credited as a writer but under no i put him in there because he ad-libbed all of his lines Oh, okay. So you're trying to do like the uh, spinal tap thing and give everyone a writing credit. Exactly. Everybody uh, okay. who was in the movie. Gotcha. The gopher gets uh, a writing credit. That was a good gopher. Runtime is one hour and 38 minutes. Budget uh, was $6 million and the movie made $39.8 million worldwide. So it wasn't considered a hit. This was a slow burn of a movie. All right. Fun facts. The movie was inspired by writer and co-star Brian Doyle Murray's memories, memories working as a caddy at a golf club. His brother Bill Murray and Harold Ramis also worked as caddies when they were teenagers. Carl Spackler was originally a silent character in the script in the matter of Harpo Marx. But after Bill Murray was cast, Harold Ramis encouraged Murray to speak and improvise. He improvised the Cinderella story sequence from two lines of stage direction. Director Harold Ramis simply asked Murray to imagine himself announcing his own fantasy sports moment. Murray simply asked for four rows of mums and did the scene. And that's like one of the most classic iconic scenes he's ever done. There you go. It was just all Hmm. improvised on the spot. It's like Eddie Van Halen's eruption. Improvised on the spot. All right. All right. This is a lengthy one. Bear with me. <clears throat> According to Chris Nash, Nashawati. It's going to be long because you can't get through the names. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's book, uh, Caddyshack, Rodney Dangerfield was so unaccustomed to how films were made, Harold Ramis had to gently guide him to make sure he was comfortable. The first scene Dangerfield was in, uh, the pro shop scene, was ready to go, and Ramis called action. Nothing happened. Dangerfield just stood there. Ramis asked him if there was a problem. Was he ready? Sure, Dangerfield said. Ramis called action again. Again, nothing. Ramis walked over him and said, Rodney, when I call action, that's your cue to come in and do the scene. Oh, you mean do my bit? Yes, you do your bit, Ramis called action for a third time. Silence. Then he said, okay, Rodney. Now do your bit. Dangerfield pounced into the room and delivered a perfect take, even improvising the line about getting a free bowl of soup. From then on, whenever Dangerfield was in a scene, Ramis never said action. He just said, okay, Rodney, do your bit. I love that. 
That is a fun <laughs> fact. That's super fun. I love that line about the bowl of soup. Sarah and I say that all the time. Oh, looks good on you, though. <laughs> uh, all right. A big hill was built from scratch for the climatic 18-hole scene because the country club did not want its course blown up. Makes naturally. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the short one. Is, is that what, what she said? said? It's not what she said at all. <laughs> she never said it once. I'll go get her. You can ask her. The rowdy improvisational atmosphere during the shoot created by Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Rodney Dangerfield didn't sit well with all the members of the cast. Ted Knight, widely regarded as a very nice man, got fed up with the constant shenanigans. Initially, Murray's, Chase's, and Dangerfield's roles were to be cameo appearances, but their deft improvising caused their roles to be expanded, much to the chagrin of Scott Columbi and some of the other cast members whose roles were reduced as a result. Yeah, that makes sense because Ted Knight's background was mostly uh, 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 sitcoms from the 70s. And those you stuck to the script. You did not improvise very much at all because you had we had they shot, one a they, week. Oh, and they basically shot them live to tape, right? So if you were busy improvising in that, um, you know, you would ruin so many takes, right? So you go in, you say your lines, and you get out. Um, The whole thing, like, that's really started in the the 90s with Seinfeld and doing all the improvise with Kramer and all that and reshoot things and all that because they had the money to do it, right? But Mm -hmm. back in the day, tape was, was expensive. So you did it exactly how it said it in the script. Made sense. Which one are we on? Okay, yeah. Um, uh, Bill, Bill Murray, Murray filmed all of his scenes, including the famous scene with Chevy Chase, in six days. Many people expected them to have another confrontation as they had had during Chase's return to Saturday Night Live in 1975. They were professional and didn't show any signs of their alleged previous feud. Yeah, apparently don't they don't th- get along. Uh, yeah, I guess not. Um, well, I guess part of it was that Bill Murray has always been seen as Chevy Chase replacement on Saturday right. Night Live. And that's something that Bill Murray kind of never really liked. He just felt like he was added on after Chevy Chase left. He didn't, he wasn't there to replace Chevy mm-hmm. Chase, you know? Um, I, I, I don't see it here, but also their scene together, their one scene together. Uh, yeah, it does say like it was improvised, but yeah, like there was, it, what that wasn't in the script at all. Uh, they just realized at some point that they didn't have a scene with the two stars together. Yeah. Like it was starring Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, and they're in no scene together. So they just said, okay, um, let's just throw them into the same room. You know, Carl just wanders into uh, uh, Chevy Chase's uh, room and they just have a scene together. And that's that's yeah. pretty much it. Well, that, that that's another odd thing, though. It... <sighs> When when you turn on the movie, the first name that pops up is Chevy Chase. He was mm-hmm. big name at the time. He's in the movie so little compared to most of the other characters that I was just scratching my head the whole time. Like, why is he the star? Why is he top build? Other than that, you know, he's the big name because he's barely in the movie. His his character doesn't seem to have a whole lot of significance. I always felt that this movie was an ensemble, just an ensemble cast. I never thought like there was one. Right. Main star, one main protagonist. That's kind of what following all these threads, you know, 
that's what kind of happened uh, as i was watching it. i was like oh okay it's you know it's just all these different things happening yeah um, let me do the last one and then we'll get sure. to that as it was his first directing job and he wanted to make sure the production was successful harold ramus avoided entering attending the cast and crew's late night parties to focus on the next day's shoot However, when filming wrapped, Ramis went to the wrap party and partied so heavily and early into the party that he had to be carried back to his hotel room. He, got he lost did. He, he did like uh, to have fun. Yeah. Like, he was nothing like Egon. Looking. If you if you read his daughter's book like I did, you, huh. you'll know he's nothing like Egon. No. <laughs> nothing like Okay, uh, Caddyshack. So, yeah, that that was my first takeaway from this movie is that there are so many uh, people. I and um, it took a while to get to uh, Chevy Chase, and and then um, I realized, yeah, he's not really the star of the movie. Nobody's really the star of the movie. It's just all these different things that are happening on this one golf course, which is fine. It, it's a, it's a great way to do it because what they have in here um are, are a lot of jokes and no individual storyline is really strong enough to support its own film it's only because you throw them all together and it's like okay that joke's done cut to something else uh, that joke's done cut to something else go to go to something else and chevy chase can carry a scene bill murray can carry a scene rodney dangerfield can carry a scene Ted Knight can really carry a scene. If anything, I'd say this is a Ted Knight movie more than like a Chevy Chase <laughs> movie or a, a Bill Murray movie. Um, so you go from one crazy situation to another one that can hit another peak. Um, so unlike the previous two films, I think this one has much better balance overall where, you know, you just go from one thing to another thing to another thing. And it doesn't, it's not a whole lot of sense you know, not a lot of crazy stuff uh, that that makes sense. It's just crazy for crazy, and it works a lot better in this one. Yeah, I, and this was like one of the first too. I think Meatballs was really the first of the '80s style Screwball of comedy film, yeah. right? And this this was like a second stab at almost that same style of humor that just kind of was a slow burn, right? It didn't take off right away, but then it kind of caught on and seems like every eighties movie had, uh, this type of, uh, scenario where you're overcoming, you know, some sort of bad guys from wanting to take away something from the good guys. Really? Yeah. Well, that, that became the formula for any, uh, television show that got turned into like a, a movie special, it was always about money. It was always about like somebody yeah. trying to come in and take over and take the Brady Bunch house or uh, right or the Dukes of Hazard or you know like lose their land or something. Right. Um, but really, in this movie, like there was like nobody seemed to really. I don't know. Forget it. Uh, no, 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 I, no, no I, go I ahead. To... Tell everyone how much you hate the movie. Go no, ahead. no, no. I I really like it. I I'll I'll be honest, like. Like when I was a kid, uh, you know, I loved Ghostbusters. Um, I loved uh, the vacation, vacation and uh, European vacation and that. And Caddyshack was a movie that I got to later uh, in my rental history. Um, and I remember watching it the first time. And it wasn't like I didn't even know. I didn't know who Ted Knight was. I hadn't seen the Mary, Mary Tyler Moore show. And I, I don't know. I just thought it was OK. It was kind of like slow. It was slower than the other movies. There wasn't like a lot of, you know 
I don't know, funny moments or anything. I, I didn't care for it as much. Um, but then I started working in television, and the very first television station I worked at, we ran this movie a few times on Saturday afternoons. And that's where I got the Caddyshack plug because it's like the Leslie Nielsen thing where you just start remembering all the good bits and you forget about all the times where the movie does drag a little bit in some parts. Um, and then you're just sitting there and you're waiting for Ronnie Dangerfield to come on and, you know, tell Ted Knight that the pat looks good on him, you know. Uh, so I, it was a little bit of a slow burn for me uh, as as well. Like this movie grew on me over the years. And now I have it in my Blu-ray collection. I can watch it numerous times. I, I, I really enjoy it. So you didn't like it right away. So that, that's the important thing everybody should know. You didn't like Everyone it the should first focus time on it. I didn't. I did yeah. not uh, like it. The first. I wouldn't say I didn't like it. It just wasn't. You just don't I mean, get it comedy. Built, it was that's built that's up. It was really built up. up. And, you know, I, as compared to those other movies, I just didn't like it as much. I was just mm. kind of like, ah, it's okay. But, yeah. Mm. I love it. I love it today. I like it as much as everyone else. I like it as much as the next guy. Well, I liked it more than you did on my no, first time watching. So. You did not like it more than me. Okay, so you enjoyed it. You enjoyed the movie. I, I, I like this one a lot. Um, I, I definitely like it better than the other two. I, I think it, like I said, it's balanced a lot better. You've got a, a, a lot more things you can cut away to that are still entertaining. Some of them are not. Again, it's like these three movies. It's like subplots that go nowhere there's just so much thrown into it and again it could be because it's a handful of writers a handful of uh talents that are in there and they all kind of want to do their own thing and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i'd say the chevy chase stuff is probably one of the weakest uh things in here you know he's you don't really know what his character is at the beginning of the movie and they just kind of establish over the course that he's like a really good golfer but there's no he has no connection to anything that's going on until it's like okay now you're gonna play golf at the end to to settle this um this bet they got going on um but you know when they would cut away to ted knight scenes or Dangerfield scenes or or um uh, bill murray and you know you didn't know what he was going to be doing and the gopher stuff like all of that you know just felt a lot better uh, yeah well, when it comes to the chevy chase stuff i mean that uh i think that's an issue with most if not all of his movies he he definitely blurs the line between like this savant that's really good at mm-hmm. something but also is slapsticky you know he's also sla- like uh, you can even say that with Fletch, you know, he's supposed to be this great writer, but he does a lot of stupid things, you know, and it's the same in, in Caddyshack. He's got the slapstick stuff and but he's also like this really, you know, amazing golfer, apparently, that was like the six million dollar man when he's putting in the when he putts. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Come on, I do that all the time now. <laughs> Every time I'm doing something. <laughs> uh, good. See? You just wait for that good part. You wait for Chevy Chase to do the bionic man stuff yeah. while he's putting. But, uh, you know, since there are so many big names when they cut to the, the teenagers doing their stuff, that, you know, it's... Hills aren't as high there. 
yeah down yeah for bed. sure i mean I, I think when i was younger that was my my issue with the movie was all that stuff but i don't know it was good it's good yeah. now i like Those it parts are it's okay. all good come on with the, the duty in the pool uh, yeah again uh, you go to some of the bigger scenes they're they're really they're high peaks the ending was great uh, the ending um I, I didn't see that coming i didn't know it was gonna be that big yeah it's, a, it's uh, an so. explosive ending yeah that's a thing with harold Ramis. he likes to blow things up at the end of his movies <laughs> oh i i enjoyed it I, I think as far as screwball comedies go this is like this is a you know like I'll tell you, like for instance, the yeah, like when all the when all the kids are are doing the synchronized dancing in the pool, like that kind of just went over my head when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what they were doing, but watching it now, I, I find that all that stuff funny because it's like that's the stuff that it would have been on TV all at the time, like all that schmaltzy, you know, TV stuff. And there they were taking the piss out of it. It's it's good. I like it. Really good stuff. And the and then the. Uh, <laughs> the duty in the pool. <laughs> was Carl it an Almond Joy Baby Roof? Uh, I think it was a Baby Roof. Yeah, just got nougat or something like that. Oh man, it's good mm-hmm. stuff. Good stuff. I like it. It was a fun time. And then all of Rodney Dangerfield. Of course, this is a Rodney Dangerfield show. We got to talk about Rodney Dangerfield in the movie. I thought he was great. Like this was just a perfect kind of vehicle for him. Maybe you'll like them more in this because he was short doses kind of yes thing? yes I, I think he was handled better I, again yeah. he's a funny guy but when he's just let loose you know you don't really need to see anything else so all the thing his son on the dive team and all that just show me rodney dangerfield and right and it can have some consistency but here yeah he's used sparringly because you gotta go to the ted knight scenes you gotta go to the right. bill murray scenes and, and yeah. they're all good so and him and Ted Knight had some really good chemistry, you know, like maybe they didn't really like each other, but it definitely showed on, like it came off well on the screen, you know? Yeah. Well, th- that often works uh, to the advantage. I uh, think about what about Bob, Bill Murray and uh, Richard yeah. Dreyfuss didn't get along. And that's right. exactly what you needed for, yeah. for their scenes. Sure. Um, and if you but, see Richard Dreyfuss today, you know why he didn't get along with him. Okay, so he's out there. Anyways. Mm. I just saw him in a movie with Chevy Chase. I, think, uh, I did too. You watched uh, that um, um, the the old old guy movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, geez, what the heck was the name of that? I can't last remember. Last laugh. The last laugh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. watch that. Yeah. That yeah, was all right. No. Okay. I'm talking yeah. about his Fox News appearances. Those are those are kooky. Oh, I gotta watch that. Yeah. Is, is he uh, Randy Quaid out there or? He's like sucking up to Tucker Carlson, like as if he's like the greatest. It's like, ah, this is not good. Not good, okay. Richard Dreyfus. Come on. Smarten up. Back to uh, Dangerfield. Yes. Uh, no, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Car, car stereo is, is in the uh, car stereo in the uh, golf clubs. It's good times. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's got the, the line at the end. Hey, everybody, we're going to get laid. Classic yeah. line. I think the Simpsons lampooned that at some point. It's good. Good stuff. A lot of one-liners that came out of this movie. Actually, Roddy Dangerfield had a good uh, appearance in The Simpsons as uh, Monty Burns' Oh, Mr. Brother. Burns' son. Yeah. Or his son. Was it son or brother? Yep, his son. son. Okay. Yeah, that was good. That was good, too. Mm. All right. When, when did he die? Early 2000s? 
mid 2000 2004 okay over 5th 2004 poor guy yeah. Yeah. Uh, notorious for like any like anytime he was in his dressing room or whatever, he would just wear a bathrobe and let it all hang out. I heard something about that. Like one of the uh, fun facts on these movies was something about him in a bathroom. That's uh, like Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang. They tell this story all the time. Like he, you'd get called in to see Rodney. Like Rodney, you go see Rodney's show, and they tell him like, "Hey, Norm Macdonald's here." He's like, "Oh, bring him in the back. Bring him into my dressing room when the show's over." And you go back there, and he'd be just sitting there in his bathrobe, and <laughs> everything would be hanging out. <laughs> Oh gosh, what a character! Yeah, what a character. Two okay. years in death. Okay, so what are you doing? I want to see uh, what was the cause of death. Did he have a heart attack or something? He was an old man. He didn't take care mm-hmm. of himself. You could mm-hmm. donate his body to science fiction. <laughs> see how? See, it's a funny line. <laughs> I'm just curious. All right. Well, while you're looking up how Rodney Dangerfield died, I am going to do the wrap-up. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this fantastic episode of uh, Retro Film Dango. Uh, I give these movies a triple. <laughs> See, now here. Now, this is funny. Uh, his headstone reads, Rodney Dangerfield. There goes the neighborhood. I give these movies a triple Lundy uh Richard, not so much. He only gets one Lundy from uh, from Richard. I guess only Caddyshack. But um, despite the yeah. fact that I can recommend all three of them, I only get one. That's it. But he only that, likes that's, one. That's it. I'm I'm going by Discord uh, rules. That's Discord. this is the Discord bell curve. I'm I'm I'm. How many people out Discord there watched curve? Easy Money? Zero. How many people actually watched? There was you and and myself and Sarah watched Easy Money with me. So there's three. Yeah. But she stopped listening to the show, so. <laughs> okay, April, uh, next month, we're going to be doing our 2B Trash. We got Death Promise, Mission Kill Fast, and Hell Comes to Frogtown. 2B is free. It's a free app. You can download it. Put it on your Xbox One, your PlayStation 4, your PC, your Android device. It might be on that, uh, what's that, fruit product that everyone likes? What's What are those fruit machines? What are they called? What is it? Fruit Looms? No, what's that? What are those fruit? Oh, Apple. Apple. That's right. Apple. Uh, you might be able to find it on there. I don't know. I don't have any Apple in my house, so I don't know. Actually, I don't think it does. No? I think no I tried that. Apple? No, I got it on my phone, but I, I think I tried putting it uh, on an Apple product, and it didn't go. Way to go, Apple. It could be. It could just be a re- – no, well, no, but it's on my phone. It's not a regional thing. Thanks, Apple. <clears throat> Wouldn't you rather uh, just watch it on your PC anyway? Well, I can watch it on my TV uh, using the Xbox or PlayStation 4. Might be on the Switch. I don't know. Uh, May, we have the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Conans. Uh, they were just on TV today on the yeah. 80s channel. The first two. I 80s checked. channel? Yeah, so our movie networks are... Um, broken up by decade so you got the 70s 80s 90s and 2000s oh but the 70s will air anything from the 70s and before that and then even the 80s and 90s they kind of mix them up a little bit once in a while like sometimes it's a nice little filter 
might be in the 80s or the 90s because it came out in 91 something but yeah it's pretty good hmm. uh and red, i should check to see if red sonia is on i'm gonna do that as soon as we're done recording so i can catch that yeah. Uh, in June, we'll be doing 70s Jack Nicholson with the last detail, five easy pieces, and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, and uh, we're going to, we're, since we're practicing social distancing, we're going to give ourselves some distance before we pick Julys. That's how we're contributing. We haven't picked Julys yet. Yeah. So that's April, May, June. Three months is fine. Sure. Yeah. We need to have everything planned I mean, out. How many, how many, how much months, how many months in advance do you need to know the movies that you're going to not watch? I mean, when I was a kid, it was different. I had it rough. When I was two years old, my parents got a dog, and I was jealous of the dog. So they got rid of me. Uh, my wife, I got no sex life. The dog keeps watching me in the bedroom, wants to learn how to beg. <laughs> I told him to watch my wife and learn how to roll over and play dead. <laughs> Sorry, I was a little late getting here tonight. You know, my dog, he started trouble again. I mean, I got a dog, he tries to run the whole house. Well, the other night he started trouble. He went over the front door, he started to bark. I went over, I opened the front door. The dog didn't want to go out, he wanted me to leave. But my dog, too, she gives me trouble. Your dog? Uh, I got a female dog, you know. I tried to mate her, she wants 50 biscuits. <laughs> and I tell you, I got a dumb dog, too, my dog. We call him Egypt. Every room he leaves a pyramid. <laughs> And to my wife, I got no sex life either. In my house, we put the mirror over the dog's bed. <laughs> Are you kidding? I know I'm ugly. My dog found out we look alike. He killed himself. <laughs> How many kids do you have? I got two kids. I love my yeah, kids. Yeah, you know, I know I that. Kids, of course, but our boy gives me trouble lately. Yeah, really? He's at the age now he copies everything. He sees something, he copies it, you know. This oh. kid imitates everything. Yeah. That's why we got rid of the dog. You all right? <laughs> no, they're... Very impressionable at that age. The peculiar feeling is your son standing there with one leg up. Yes, I... This afternoon, my wife cracked up the car again. I was out driving her. She told me she would make a U-turn. I'll tell you the letter she made. You'll never find any out there. Hey, my wife can't do nothing right. She can't cook the worst cook in the world. Gave my kid alphabet soup. He spelled out help. <laughs> what a lousy cook. I mean, how can toast have bones? <laughs> She's a lousy cook, too. She can't cook at all. I leave dental floss in the kitchen. The roaches hang themselves. <laughs> and I tell you, my wife, she can't cook either. My house, we pray after we eat. <laughs> I bought a pressure cooker. Now I eat off the ceiling. <laughs> what a lousy cook. I don't think meatloaf should glow in the dark. <laughs> I mean, if she can't cook at all, my backyard, the flies chipped in to fix the screen door. <laughs> I tell you, my wife, with eating is always problems. She's a strict vegetarian. In fact, when I met her, she was grazing on the front lawn. I mean, she can't cook at all. She made chocolate mousse and antler got stuck in my throat. That's really annoying my wife, the way she serves a meal. Serves oh, badly? Terrible. Yeah. I mean, you put down a steak. How do you forget the plate? I was talking to my doctor. You know my doctor, Dr. Finney Boombach. You know my doctor? Yeah. Well, he told me last week in his office he got six cases of VD. I mean, he's all right now, you know. <laughs> And my doctor, he don't help either. He told me to run five miles a day for two weeks. I called him up. I said, Doc, I'm 70 miles from my house. <laughs> I'll tell you about trouble. I got the wrong doctor. You know my doctor, Dr. Vinnie Boombach. You know my doctor? <laughs> what a doctor. You kidding me? 
Doctor, I called him up. I told him I had diarrhea. Put me on hold. Oh, he's a strange doctor. Strange doctor. Oh, hey, you're kidding. I asked him if my heart was strong enough to sex. He told me not if I join in, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you my trouble. I got the wrong doctor. You know my doctor, Dr. Vinnie Boombach. Know my doctor? What a doctor. I called him last week. I told him, Doc, I swallowed a bottle of sleeping pills. He told me to have a few drinks and get some rest. <laughs> Life's not easy. Not easy. You not can't easy. trust doctors either. They're all mixed up. You really kidding? think so, huh? Uh, my proctologist used to be a photographer. Yeah. Hey, he took x-rays, told me to bend over and say cheese. <laughs> uh, one time I saw him, he gave me sleeping pills. He told me to take them whenever I wake up. <laughs> well, you know my doctor, Dr. Vinnie Boombach. So my doctor, but that a way, what a doctor. He's really mixed up. He grabbed my knee and told me to cough and hit me in the balls with a hammer. Now, when I was born, after the doctor cut the cord, he hung himself. <laughs> I tell you, my problem is that I drink too much, way too much. Yeah. I get my doctor a urine specimen. There was an olive in it. <laughs> hey, you kid, I know I'm ugly. I stuck my head out the window, got arrested for mooning. <laughs> I know I'm ugly. I went to a freak show to let me in for nothing. <laughs> kid, I was an ugly kid, too. How ugly? How ugly? <laughs> I was so ugly, my mother breastfed me through a straw. I'm ugly, I'm telling you. My proctologist, he stuck his finger in my mouth. What's going to mean nothing? Man, I got a niece, an ugly girl. She got married. She's happy. She married an ugly guy. Right. And today they got two very ugly kids. Ugly kids, yes. <laughs> in fact, they're all so ugly in a family album. They only keep the negatives. How ugly? I took her to the beach. They asked me what I used for bait. <laughs> when I took her home, my mother put newspapers on the floor. Oh. I mean, ugly. I gave her a hickey. I got fur in my mouth. I was an ugly kid, too. I had plenty of pimples. One day I fell asleep in the library. I woke up a blind man was reading my face. But I mean, ugly. But when I was born, after the doctor cut the cord, he hung himself. <laughs> now, I tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape, you know? Yeah, last week my wife signed me up for a bridge club. I jump off next Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, last week nothing went right. I bought a waterbed. There were two Cuban guys swimming there looking for Florida. <laughs> Last week I went to the track, too. That was a beauty. I shot off the opening gun. They killed my horse. <laughs> I'll tell you, nothing works out. My car broke down again. I got a car. I got nothing but trouble. Every Sunday, I take my family out for a push. <laughs> the last time my wife drove the car, she cracked it up, went into a tree. Told me it wasn't her fault. She blew the horn. <laughs> my wife wasn't too smart, you know. One night she went out, some guy stole the car. I said to her, did you see what he looked like? She told me she got the license plate number. She's not smart at all. I told her our kid is spoiled. She told me a lot of kids smell that way, you know? <laughs> I tell you, it's tough to stay married to my wife. How do you think I feel? She kissed the dog on her lips and she won't drink from my glass. <laughs> I mean, there's always some. My wife's father, he just moved in too, has electronic pacemaker. Every time he sneezes, the garage door opens. <laughs> I tell you, life isn't easy. My psychiatrist told me I'm going crazy. I said, if you don't mind, like a second opinion. He said, all right, you're ugly too. You kid, I know I'm ugly. Halloween, I open a front door, kids give me candy. Well, my dog found out we look alike. He killed himself. I was an ugly kid, too. I worked in a pet store. People kept asking how big I get. 
No, I tell you, I found out, you know, uh, in fact, I found out my wife is faking orgasms. Faking orgasms? Yeah. yeah, four of my friends told me, you know. Really? Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, though, you know, when I think back, my love with girls, I didn't do too bad. I didn't mean, I'm no ladies' man. You know? right, I got yeah. lucky here and there, yeah, you know? Yeah. I met a one night, I met a girl at a bar. We talked 15 minutes back to her place. Had the best sex I ever had, you know? Really? Hungry, made me a steak. It was beautiful. And the way out, she says to me, how about some money? I said, oh, no, no, money I couldn't take. I don't want any money from you. <laughs> <laughs> she got your prize, yeah. I mean, she was a lovely girl. Her name was Valerie Dubois. In fact, she told me to call the VD for short. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I tell you, Jay, I got women figured out pretty good. You pretty know? good? Got I knocked around good. enough. I know how yeah. to make a girl say yes. Really? <laughs> I ask her, am I bothering you? <laughs> But remember, always have safe sex. That's important, That's safe, yeah. sex. safe sex. My whole life, I'm practicing safe sex. Yeah. In fact, I want to thank all the girls who turned me down. <laughs> <laughs> and a few who turned me upside down. <laughs> what am I talking about sex for? You yeah. kidding? I got no sex life. I'm old. Yeah. I tried a Viagra pill. My tongue got hard. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, those Viagra pills are strong. Yeah, Viagra's strong. Well, last week, accidentally, I dropped a whole bottle of Viagra pills in my toilet. Yeah. <laughs> now the lid won't stay down. Really? Yeah. Oh, they're strong. I mean, I got a dog, a cocker spat, you know. <laughs> he smelled a Viagra pill. Now he's a pointer. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but, Jay, the yeah. big one is to feel good, stay healthy. That's, That's the whole good. That's big important. one. And to yeah. keep out of hospitals, they're yeah. the worst, you know. A few months ago, I had an experience in the hospital. I was hungry. I yelled, nurse. She came over. She says, yes. I said, I'm hungry. She says, you're being fed right now. If you put your hand behind you, you feel a tube. You're being fed through the tube. I said, no. Nice. Do me a favor, will you? Tomorrow, bring two more tubes, okay? She said, what for? I said, like you and the doctor to have lunch with me. <laughs> I tell you, every time I buy a car, I get stuck. You know, the salesman always says, she's a beauty. Never says, he's a beauty. I found out why, because a car and a girl are very much alike. Me with either one, a car or a girl, when you're going to use one, they always lie about the mileage. <laughs> and with either one, a car or a girl, how many times in a cold morning when you really need it, it won't turn over? <laughs> I'll tell you, my whole life, all I know was rejection. When I was a kid, my yo-yo, it never came back. <laughs> When I was a kid, I was poor, too. When I was a kid, everybody was poor. No rich kids, only poor kids, that's all. But I was poor. I was so poor, my rich aunt died in the will. I owed her $20. <laughs> I was poor. Oh, once on my birthday, my old man, he showed me a picture of a cake. <laughs> I sat there all day trying to blow out the candles. <laughs> now, with kids today, it's different. They got it too good. They don't appreciate it either. It was my boy's birthday last week. Had a little party without the cake. The kid blew out all the candles. I said to him, I hope your wish comes true. He said, if it does, that's the last time you'll watch me blow out candles. <laughs> that's a smart kid I got. Like the last time I took my kid to Coney Island, I asked him, want to go in a crazy house? He told me to save my money, be home soon. <laughs> Thank you.
kid, he drives me nuts. But for three years now, he goes to a private school. He won't tell me where it is. <laughs> my block, the kids were tough. All over my face, I had pimples. They used to grab me and play connect the dots. <laughs> The one is looks. The looks don't mean nothing. It's underneath what counts. Soul, depth. That's what's important, not looks. Well, how many times take a walk in the street, you see a tall, handsome man walking arm in arm with a short, fat, ugly girl. I never saw that. Did you ever see that? <laughs> uh, it's nice to hear you laugh. I'll tell you that, Richie. <laughs> no laughs. I live in a rough neighborhood. Very bad. Forget it, will you? Just last week, a guy pulled a knife on me. I could see it wasn't a real professional job. There was butter on it. 